Hey, it's Stephen Henderson. Today on the podcast, we're going to hear two sides of the debate over paid family leave. There are two bills in Lansing that would mandate family leave here in the state of Michigan. We're going to hear from an advocate who has worked a long time to make sure that mothers and families have the things that they need. Then we're going to hear from an advocate in the business community who says these things are just too expensive. Great conversation with an incredible representation of the views on this subject. Uh, It's a great show. We first have Danielle Atkinson here with us. She is the founding director of Mothering Justice, which advocates for mothers of color to influence policy on behalf of themselves and their families. Uh, Danielle, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. So you've been advocating for mothers and families with Mothering Justice for more than 10 years now. Talk about what it means and, frankly, what it looks like for like the day-to-day lives of people who don't have policies like paid family and medical leave. How much of a burden does this end up being in people's lives? Yeah, so I'll be happy to, but unfortunately... Most people can relate. (laughs) Most people understand (laughs) firsthand what it's like, yeah, to have to make those difficult decisions. And so, started mothering justice because I had a baby and had no paid family leave. I had to decide, really, based on how much money we could spare and how much we had in savings, on how long I had to bond with my own daughter. Mm. And that is, like you said, an impossible decision to have to make. And that is something we had warning about. You know, when we're talking about paid family medical leave, we're talking about survivors of domestic violence. We're talking about people who just got a cancer diagnosis or they got the call that mom's really going to need some more help. Can you can you take some time off? And those are things that are really hard to plan for financially and it is just uh, we really need to understand how people are living. Mm-hmm. This is the common denominator, right? We all get sick. We all have people that depend on us and we all need um, an income to survive in this country. So we need to have policies that support how we live. Yeah. And and as I said in the open, uh, there are places where this is already taking place. Yeah some places in this country, but I I always think that the important context is international, right? That that most of what we would call the Western world, the the developed world, the wealthy part of the world, this is not even a debate in, in those countries. This is something that just is part of It's part of the economy, but it's part of people's lives. Yeah. And when we're talking about competing and and where we stand in um, the the benefits that we offer our people or how much we invest in people and we look at countries and we're talking about 15 weeks here Mm -hmm. and in Europe, in many places, people have years off to bond with a child after they're born. It's just uh, it's just uh, it's just considered basic common sense that people need to be able to focus on life without the worries of, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to make rent? Oh my gosh, am I going to be able to afford groceries or the medication I need to survive? Mm-hmm. So so I also want to get to the economic argument in favor of this. And I think 
it's harder to make, and there are lots of people who who don't want to think about things in those terms. Mm-hmm. But by giving people the time to spend with their families, whether it's a child who's born or a child who's adopted, or an elderly parent who needs help, uh, you know, caring for themselves, uh, in the long run, you yeah. actually end up saving a lot of money that government or somebody else would have to spend making up for the lack of exactly. support that you that you did up front. That, again, that's sometimes a difficult yeah. case to make. People, uh, you know, people have a hard time thinking longitudinally. Uh, but that's really that's really part of the argument here. Exactly. Exactly. What we're what we're talking about is an insurance program. And when we think about insurance at its, you know, basic understanding and definition, it's to prevent the catastrophic. And this is an issue when someone is sick and has to take off and we're talking about financial stability, this is something that impacts an employer, an employee and the state of Michigan. This is an opportunity for all three parties to proactively put into a system that will prevent catastrophic um, harm for all three parties. And when you, you know, when I was preparing for this interview and I was like, okay, I know, I know there are businesses that support this. I talk to them every day. And when I explain the policy, they're like, oh my gosh, yes, we offer more than that. Mm -hmm. Even talking to Wayne State, they're like, yes, you know, we've put in place all of these things to make sure that our people are taken care of. And I went to business.com and they pointed to uh, increased morale, productivity, recruitment, retention as things that are are instantly seen when you enact and you support a comprehensive paid family medical leave policy. Dragon Lady on Twitter says, uh, I think people are finally waking up to the fact that America's corporate oligarchs don't have our best interests at heart. Paid family leave should be a bare minimum in the wealthiest country on Earth. Big Neo on Twitter says, uh, would these policies actually be law for private businesses? Paid leave for citizens is awesome. And the net zero goal is admirable as well. He's talking about uh, the net zero carbon emissions plan that's also on the table. Uh, but he says, but making it law for private businesses will be a huge hurdle to jump over. Who's paying for it is always uh, the question. Uh, Danielle, let's talk about businesses yeah. and how they how they manage these things. Uh, I think the critics of this legislation and this idea would say you're going to send businesses into bankruptcy if you institute a policy like that. What's what's your response to that? Yeah, you know, not only is this extremely popular amongst people, not only is it needed, not only do we know all of the benefits to business, we know that states in the United States have done this, right? We would be part of the cool kid club. Okay, <laughs> come on, Michigan. Let's be part of the cool kid club. We're getting lapped okay? by, other, by other states. Minnesota right? are being the um, the latest to have a policy, um, you know, our Midwestern friend. But there are 12 other states that have these policies and their businesses are doing just fine. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about competing, instead of talking about you know, how can we how can be we have a race to the floor and compete amongst who's doing the least? How can we talk about who's doing the most, especially in the context of the conversation that our governor is putting out around population growth and retention? Mm-hmm. We all want our kids to stay right as I, <laughs> as I see the clock tick down of my children getting ready for college. 
and thinking about them looking at other states. They're looking at where they want to build a family. What makes the most sense for them? What has the most support? And then as somebody who has young children as well, you're just like, oh, I wish. <laughs> and, and being in the sandwich generation, you're like, you're still looking at your parents and saying like, I wish they had leave so they could help me. You know, and I, and I and I wish that my husband had leave. I wish my partner had leave. And that's why it's so important that this is universal. And it's not just, you know, you you are at the behest of a benevolent uh, employer. You got a good boss lottery. And so you're able to take some time off. We need to have this like your um, like um, your person on X, I think. Is mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called. I still call it. Twitter, OK, but. said that this is just the floor. This is the floor. And then we encourage employers to offer more as an incentive for people to stay and go to their business. But we need a floor when we're talking about people's health and people's ability to care for the people that depend on them. Yeah, but but there is a short-term cost to this. Yeah. And there are businesses, you know, look, I talk to business owners all the time about the current economy or the economy at any, any point, how narrow the margin is between uh, profit and loss. Uh, in, in some cases, the, the margin between staying open and having to close. Uh, how... How should businesses that that are you know struggling in business shoulder the cost of of something like this? Yeah, people need to plan. And again, this is an investment from an employer, an employee, and the state of Michigan. So you can see it as an investment. In- for the employer and the state of Michigan into your business, into your retention model, right? And also as a business owner too, and someone who has been employing people for 12 years, employees are smart, right? So if you don't have a leave policy and someone's about to go out to have a baby, they're gonna they're going to use all what they have and then they're gonna leave your business because it doesn't make sense for them to stay if they need more time to bond with their family and they can afford that. So we need to think about the long-term goals and the long-term cost of retaining good employees, the cost of training new employees. And every business owner knows that you want to keep your employees and it costs so much to train someone who is not as good and you might have to let go and start the process all over again. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, we got a lot of folks who I think uh, are familiar with this issue, grappling with it in their own lives and want to talk about it. Let's start with Sebastian in Plymouth. Sebastian, welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Sure. Go ahead. Um, So, yeah. So I strongly support that. Uh, I am a Gen Z voter. And I actually previously worked with an organization called Democrats for Life of Michigan. And basically the goal is that we need to produce a culture that supports both women and children. And one thing I think Republicans should understand is that if they do push for paid family leave, that could also help reduce the abortion rate Mm. by supporting women who are in these situations, knowing that they have the support that they need to carry their babies to term and to be able to, to be with them, to have a, a stable family. So I strongly support as a Gen Z voter and as an independent that we need to push for paid family leave. Uh, Sebastian, I, I really appreciate the call and and your insights here. I, I want to push a little further into, into your politics because I think there's something important about the crossover that you are representing here. And I just want to make sure I have it right. Uh, so you're someone who is is pro-life or anti-abortion, uh, but you also support 
things like paid family leave as a means of making sure that when people do have children, uh, they're able to care for them, that there's an adequate support system and network uh, for, uh, for, for those families. Is that, is that an accurate reflection of, of how you're thinking of it? Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. If uh, if we if we as a, as a society want to value life, we need to promote life and protect life after they're born as well as before. Uh, and in Michigan, I think this is it's a very good idea because we still have a I mean, we we have thousands of abortions that are committed in Michigan every year. And many women who have them, they don't actually want to have the abortion. They want to carry the child to term. It's just that they have financial problems. They have uh, with their job and everything, they they don't know if they can actually afford it. Mm-hmm. If we as a society say we're going to help you to afford this, we can actually at the same time save lives and protect families and women. Mm-hmm. So yes, one hundred percent. Sebastian, I really appreciate the the call, and and I think again, it's really important to hear that kind of perspective. I mean, I I, I sit in a very different space, I think, than you would uh, on the abortion issue, but uh, but paid family leave is someplace that, that we probably uh, could agree. Daniel, I, I would love to get your reaction to what Sebastian's saying. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's really important that we think about the totality of a person's life and who they are taking care of. What are the factors that play into the decisions that they're making? That they're making? Are they able to freely make a decision based on their own um, desires and, and what their family wants, uh, or are they restricted by financial uh, financial considerations? And that is a really horrible place to be. And again, like your Twitter uh, person wrote in, um, that um, that we live in a in a country that can do this. We can we, we can financially do this. Now it's time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I want to take one more call before we uh, have to break. Diane in Lakeville. Uh, Diane, what's on your mind? Um, I just wanted to address the uh, no time off for family illness or death. So I, I unfortunately ended up with, um, I worked at a beautiful spa in Birmingham for several years. Um, unfortunately, one of my daughters was severely beaten and raped. It was all over the news. Um, and so I told my boss, I said, she's coming out of the hospital. I've got to be there and, uh, I'm going to take time off. Well, you can't do that. So I'm like, oh no. So, uh, I went in, I told her, I'm going to give you a two week notice and I will come back whenever you need me for the holidays because that's when you make a ton of money. And I certainly didn't want to leave then. That's going to make you most money during the holidays, but Mm -hmm. this is my daughter, right? So a, a day later, when my clients called me and they said, hey, they said that you're completely booked. And I went to the desk and they said, oh, you have nothing. Then they called me in the office. And my boss said to me, you have to leave. Oh, I no. said, pardon me? She said, yeah. And I said, oh, no. I gave you a two-week bonus. She says, no, how can you do this to us? And she, and I went, oh. So I just walked out the door and, and then... On top of it, my daughter ended up dying, so I'm oh. glad I took the time off. Diane. So, yeah. I mean, it's, it's sick. I mean, you can't, and I'm single, so it's hard, so no work, no money. Just yeah. a double whammy, and just, you know, even if I wouldn't, even having, had Amber lived, having time off to be with her. But then even after she's dead, you're, you're like, not good for a while. So after, you know, mm-hmm. 
when, when your parents die, I'm older, so, you know, they have an expiration date and they're old, fine, but when you get, you know, somebody gets kicked off the planet like that, it's yeah. in your daughter. Yeah. So you have no time for that either, so it's just so... That's, Diane, first of all, I'm, I'm really sorry uh, that all of this has happened in your life, but I'm particularly, um, I guess, struck by the the reaction of your employer in that in that situation. And listening to you describe what happened, I mean, I can hear that tension playing out between the need to take care of your daughter in a crisis situation in in, in your case, uh, but then that thought about money: how will I survive economically? If I go do that, and it sounds like it did not turn out positively for you, uh, but but just the the necessity to have to have thought of that economic context um, while all of this tragedy is unfolding in your life is, I think, exactly the problem that we that we put a lot of people through in this in the society, yeah. Danielle. Yeah, and yes, thank you so much for sharing, and I pray that the memory of Amber brings you peace and um, I'm so grateful that you thought about lending your voice to this issue in the wake of your own personal tragedy and unfortunately we hear too many of those stories right so as much as paid leave is about the blessing of a new child in your family it's it's equally about holding the hand of the person who is about to leave us uh, and being somewhat, being with someone um, at their most vulnerable state. Um, a part of this policy is safe days. And it is, it is there and it's important because of situations just like this, mm-hmm. right? Had Amber lived, she would have needed time to get a restraining order, <clears throat> excuse me, to go through the court process. Those also are covered by this policy, and we have to be thinking about that. Mm -hmm. It's so important that our survivors are able to do the things that keep them safe. And the bill sponsor, Senator Geist, um, when we're talking to her and the inevitable um, process of of policymaking is negotiation, she said, I will not negotiate around non-medical issues bereavement, domestic violence, because she understands so closely what it means to be low income or or a you know a contract or just rely so heavily on your on your on your next paycheck mm-hmm. and then something like this happens and it's always the first to be negotiated away. And so we have to be thinking about all of the parts of our lives that need time and attention and make space within our employment for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, Danielle Atkinson, uh, founding director of Mothering, Mothering Justice. Uh, it's always great to have you here. Thanks for having on the me. show. Thanks for coming by to talk about paid family leave. Yeah, have a great day. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about paid family leave, but we're going to talk with someone from the Michigan Chamber of Commerce about why they oppose this policy. We'll be right back with more Detroit today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, and we're talking about paid family leave. Two bills in the state Senate that would bring paid family leave to people here in Michigan. We were just talking with someone in favor of these bills and uh, in favor 
of paid family leave, but what are the costs of passing this legislation? Wendy Block is the Senior Vice President of Business Advocacy with the Michigan Chamber of Commerce. She joins us now to talk about the business side of this issue. Wendy, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. So the Chamber believes that paid family and medical leave hurt both workers and businesses. I would love to have you talk about why you think that's true. Yeah, so, um, you know, we talk about these things and they sound really great on the surface or on paper, um, but we have serious concerns about the state creating a one-size-fits-all state-administered paid leave insurance program of the size and type that this legislation that you've been talking about uh, contemplates. And, you know, for a number of reasons, this is very expensive. We're talking about state government taking over leave time and leave policies uh, for workers instead of those things being administered by HR departments. Think something of the equivalent size and scope of the state's unemployment insurance program. Um, and just really concerned that uh, this could force employers to rethink other paid leave that is currently available to employees, especially when you start layering 15 weeks of state-mandated leave on top of uh, what in many cases can be very generous paid time off policies or sick time that's available. And of course, all of this is layered on top of Michigan's Paid Medical Leave Act, which currently mandates that all employers uh, provide paid leave to their employees. Mm. So, So other really competitive states, states that are doing much better than we are by most measures, uh, New York, California, Colorado, Minnesota, they have paid family and medical leave. So does it make us less competitive uh, with those states to not have something, something similar? Well, certainly those states that you listed have economies that are very different than Michigan's economy. But I would argue that none of those states are states that we should be looking at in terms of uh, positioning ourselves as a more competitive state. Hardly any of those states are top 10 states, uh, states that we typically try to measure ourselves against. Top 10 in really, what? Top 10 in by what measure? By their economies, uh, by their growth of jobs in their states. Um, a lot of those states are... Uh, also declining population states and declining growth states. So only 13 states today, and only really uh, with the exception of Minnesota and Colorado, only states on the East Coast and the West Coast have laws of these sizes and types. And certainly uh, the Michigan legislation that has been introduced is arguably one of the most onerous in terms of eligibility, qualifying events, benefits, and employer and employee obligations. So what we're looking at here, yes, other states have, but Michigan's proposal as written is the most extreme. Hmm. So, so, I mean, I would disagree in, in terms of rankings. I mean, if you look at the rankings of the size of the economies of, of states, if you look at, uh, you know, uh, popular magazines that rank economies, New York, California, Colorado, Minnesota, uh, they're always in the top 10. We are generally in the bottom 10, and in some cases, uh, the bottom five on, on, on those rankings. Uh, I also, I guess, would disagree that, that the, 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 the comparison between a place like Michigan and Minnesota, uh, which is another Midwest state that has a lot of similarities to, to us, uh, is, is inappropriate. Um, but, but what do you think should 
be the things that we're doing that would attract people to Michigan. I mean, look, this is a low-performing state by almost any measure right now. Uh, If not better support for families and people, what are the things in your mind that that would, would move us up the ladder and attract more people to want to live here? Yeah, so certainly Michigan is a declining population state. We're 39th in the nation in terms of um, that metric. And, you know, Michigan, I'm sorry, in terms of our workforce participation rate. Mm -hmm. So Michigan needs to do a better job of um, attracting workers to our workforce. If we're going to grow our economy, which, of course, is going to lift up families and communities, we need to find more ways to attach people to the workforce. And we would disagree that this is um, a key way to, to achieve that goal. We certainly, I think, all could agree that that is a good goal to have. Uh, but Michigan needs to do a better job of breaking down barriers to employability. And that has been a big focus of the Michigan Chamber and mm-hmm. others in the business community on finding ways to attract and retain quality workers. And some of those things that we have been highly focused on over the last several years are uh, breaking down the barriers to um, affordable childcare. right? We know that working mothers cannot be attached to the workforce if they don't have somewhere to put their children while they go to work and certainly somewhere affordable to put their children. And so we are lacking childcare slots across our state. We're lacking affordable options for families across our state. The same thing goes for affordable housing, right? We uh, have been involved in this issue now for going on many years because we recognize, again, people, if they are going to take that job, they need somewhere to live close to work. And so all of those sorts of efforts, we feel like are moving our state in the right direction in terms of finding ways to improve our workforce participation rate, which will ultimately help our state succeed in the long run. You know, paid leave, a lot of employers are very competitive in this regard, and certainly employers need to do everything they can in this uh, area because that's a way to attract and retain quality workers. But we disagree that a one-size-fits-all, billion-dollar, $1.5, even maybe $2 billion a year program funded by employers and employees, we just disagree that that is the way to achieve the results that I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, do you uh, do you feel like, I mean, some of the things that you're talking about, I, I think, are quite costly as well. Uh, there, there are things that, that we would have to find money uh, to support. Is I guess, is your objection to the the way in which, I guess, we're approaching this as, as much as it is to the policy? In other words, is, is this not just about money, but, but about approach? It's about a lot of things, right? So, I mean, it's really, we have um, have multiple concerns with this. Well, certainly, we have concerns about the cost and scope of a program of this type, where you talk about taking paid leave uh, and those decisions out of the hands of business and, giving, and putting them in the hands of state government and needing to create a new kind of bloated government bureaucracy to... Um, pay out leave benefits to employees to make determinations about yes, no, is this a valid reason or not? We would rather see leave and decisions about leave be made in the workforce um, because employers are kind of in the best position to talk to their employees about what they value and frankly, what they need and to respond in the marketplace. 
But, you know, we also have concerns about the cost and the mandate of doing something like this and the disproportionate effect it will have on small businesses. So uh, I think your previous caller talked about some sort of investment by the state. We have not seen any sort of indication that the state is willing to invest in this. It's just going to be put on the backs of employers and employees if employers decide to share share, quote unquote, share the cost with their their employees as the legislation contemplates. So there's a lot of details here and a lot of things. It's a very meaty bill, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and that we have kind of issues with. But uh, those are kind of some of those top line yeah. uh, concerns that we have. We've only got like 30 seconds left. But but I, I wonder, is there something that could be done to these bills that would change your mind? Or are you just not in favor of a statewide mandate? We do have concerns with a statewide mandate, but we are um, exploring ways and talking to our members about how we can get more creative. Uh, A number of states have voluntary programs that a lot of employers have bought into. Um, Feel like that is a good way. Maybe you instead of um, uh, forcing all employers to comply, is there ways to incentivize that and incentivize people to employers to build out their leave programs? to their employees. There certainly is room for conversation moving forward with this if legislators are so inclined. Okay. Uh, Wendy Block of Michigan Chamber of Commerce. Really great to have you here to give the business side of uh, this issue. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you. That's it for the Detroit Today podcast. You like this show. You get a lot out of it. You ought to be sharing it. Share it with your friends and your neighbors, your relative, anyone you think would enjoy it and would add to this community that we're building here. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Detroit Today's music is created by Sam Bobian and Will Sessions. We'll see you next time on the Detroit Today podcast.